Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, that was unexpected. Huh. Just a little bit. Was not in any way figuring that we would sign on for this episode and be talking about that. <laughs> no. What, what did we say last week? Uh, you know, we'd be happy to go three and five. Yeah, three and five. I said, uh, you know, three and five, you're okay with four and four, you're happy with. If they somehow manage to throw out a winning road trip, then you're ecstatic coming home. And then they went six and oh to start that road trip. What? What on earth? How? What happened? What's going on? Why? They sweep the, in Los Angeles. The gauntlet of starting pitchers they had to go through. Yeah. Kershaw, Darvish, Hill, Wood, Granky, Walker. They made Darvish and, look silly. And they and they beat uh, beat all six of them. Yeah. Yeah. They uh uh and the first day of that trip, Clayton Kershaw lasts three and two thirds, six hits, four runs, uh seven strikeouts, but three walks. Um the next day, you Darvish, four and a third. Five hits, five runs, all earned, six strikeouts, two walks. The next day, Alex Wood actually manages to make it through five, eight hits, five runs, three walks, two strikeouts. And the last day of that series in Los Angeles, Tyler Chatwood shuts out the Dodgers for five innings, and they get to Rich Hill for two runs over five, which ended up being enough in an eight-to-one win. Uh, man, was not expecting that. Then <laughs> they get things started against the uh, the old D-backs, and Zach Granke throws seven innings while Tyler, while Kyle Freeland only goes three and gives way to Tyler Anderson out of the bullpen after taking a line drive off of the shoulder. Is what it ended God up being. It, his it, head. Like, yeah. Yeah, it looked like it was <laughs> off of his cheekbone. Um, they somehow managed to win that game. Uh, and then the next night, they go out and again – breakthrough late they get a couple of runs in the seventh Taiwan Walker throws well in that game John Gray threw terrifically in that game and uh Gray ends up getting the win they get a win in that one and yeah they got blown out 15 to 2 combined over the last two days but you know what the nice thing is those losses count the exact same as a one nothing loss you cannot complain about a six and two road trip in no, September when this team is fighting for a playoff spot through Los Angeles and Arizona by going six you cannot complain about that at all so Sorry. that is the the ultimate lesson from this road trip they went on the road to los angeles and arizona series that they needed to at least split and they come home with a series sweep and a series split and for anybody you know i mean we're we're well familiar with rockies fans and how anybody will do anything to try to be disappointed but 
how anybody can try to slice a 6-2 and two road trip in September through Los Angeles and Arizona that we've been talking about that Anthony first mentioned on this podcast back in, like, June. How anybody can slice that and be like, nah, I'm not happy. They should have finished stronger. <laughs> nope. Nope. You're yeah, wrong. Sorry. sorry. Sorry, but you're sorry. wrong. You're, uh, you're out on your even own if, island there. Even if they don't make the playoffs this year, which would be a bummer, of course, yeah. since they've been in the playoff spot all year, you can't be upset about how they ended that road No, sorry. and we've never seen a Rockies team really respond to a challenge that way. Yes, 2007, obviously their backs are against the wall. They do what they did in September to make it into the postseason. But this season has had a different feel because this season – they started off so well, and then they're just hanging on by a thread, and then they respond with something that's really needed in the moment when it's needed. They didn't back themselves all the way to the cliff's edge and then have to win 13 out of 14 to close the regular season. So I mean, it, it just feels yeah, different this time. It really does because we felt like at the end of that Arizona series that the season was kind of teetering on the balance. Yeah, very I much I mean, so. when the uh, the one that back at Coors Field back at the beginning of September, they had, they looked lifeless in losing all three of those games. They just lost a series at home to the Tigers yep. as well. You know, it was kind of, we all thought like, oh, this is it. This is where they fall apart. You know, it's going to be the end of the year. The Brewers, the whoever was going to be charging up, the Cardinals, who cares? It was going to be somebody else besides the Rockies making the playoffs. Then they get that weird kind of fluky walk-off victory against the Giants on Labor Day when Carlos Gonzalez had the walk-off walk when Corey Gearn was nowhere near the plate. And then they win two or three there, but then they looked lifeless in that, yeah, uh, that final game of that series when they lost 11 to three, but then they went on one six straight. I mean, it's, that was the most impressed I've been with a Rockies team this season was that stretch of six games there. Baseball's so weird. Baseball's the weirdest game. They, the Indians have won 22 straight games. 22 straight games. The Indians basically haven't lost in a month. Um, between the start of the Miami series on August 11th and the end of that Arizona series, they played seven, they lost five. They split one series, they only won one series, and that series was against the Braves, and that doesn't really count. Um, and that was on the road at Atlanta, and three series before that, they split with the Braves at Coors Field, and that didn't make you feel great either. Um, and so, yeah, it just looked, I mean, this did not look like a team that was showing any signs of trending upward in any sort of direction and then all of a sudden, they come out, and they win six straight to start a road trip through Los Angeles and Arizona. And it's like, all right, well, maybe this maybe this is a little bit different. Yeah, it sure was. So, that's five where we two and a half, Two and a half back right now, or two and a half up right now, I should say. That's that's uh, the, five, the lesson. Five back of the D-backs. And, you know, they had closed to, two, to three back of the D-backs, which was terrific. Um, so, you lose a little bit of ground there. Um, but it's – now you look at the way things stack up for the end of the season and you come home and take on a bad Padres team for three games starting tonight, we're recording on Friday. Then you go on the road to take on a worse giants team for only two games and then two San Diego for three games. So, you know, what you would like to do is go nine and over this next stretch. Eh, probably not going to happen, <laughs> but what well, you need to do is no. you can't we don't lose. Like things, Tyler. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can't lose series. You 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 got to win the series against San Diego at the least. You got to go to San Francisco and at least get one. And then in San Diego, I think you're again you're pretty happy with a split. If you can tread water, if you can be 500 and above, I just don't see. The Rockies have five series left, nine, twelve. They have 15 games. I don't see if the Rockies win. Let's say conservatively, if they win eight and seven over the stretch. I don't see the other teams chasing them down right now, those teams being the Cardinals and the Brewers. Um, 
I don't see those teams going 10 and 5, 11 and 4 to overtake the Rockies. I don't know. They just haven't played that type of ball to me. Now, the Cardinals are coming on strong. They've won eight out of their last 10. I just, I don't know. I obviously, I, I think that 10 and 4, or that 8 and 7 is probably a, a conservative estimate. And the Rockies can, can do f- much better in this stretch because you get. A lot of really bad teams that are no longer playing for anything even resembling anything. The San Diego Padres basically went into 2017 tanking like a suck for luck campaign. Trying to tank. And they are maybe only going to squeak into the top 10 with their draft pick. So there's a Padres team that's terrible. Um, The Giants are even worse. And, you know, then you get the Marlins. The Marlins haven't been playing for anything for quite some time. And, yeah, it'll be fun to see Giancarlo Stanton hit a 600-foot dong at Coors Field. That'll be great. Um, And then you get the Dodgers in town for what will be a meaningless series for them at the end of the regular season. Um, It's 15 games. They go 9-6, and and 10-5, whatever it is. I think you lock up your playoff spot. And here's the thing, though. All the teams that are ostensibly going to be chasing them, be it the Cardinals, Brewers, or the Cubs, should a team catch them. They're still not that far off in the NL Central race. The Cubs' remaining schedule, starting today, they have three left with St. Louis at home. Then they go on the road to face Tampa, four at Milwaukee, four at St. Louis before ending the season with Cincinnati. And the Cardinals and Brewers play another series as well in this time, so... Those teams could be beating up on each other and really helping out the Rockies in that card in that regard. Man, it would be pretty hilarious if the Cubs missed the playoffs, oh, right? God, like, I want, it, I want it so badly. They go out. It's it's the greatest season in baseball history. Game seven, the Cubs, 108 years, win a World Series, and they never hesitate to let you know it at the drop of a hat. Anybody who is even remotely connected to the city of Chicago will tell you how great the Cubs are, and they could well go out and not make the playoffs to follow up. Easily. Oh, and by the way, the Brewers and Cardinals end the season playing each other. Ah, that'll be interesting. So, So, I mean, that's the thing. Right now, you just have to hope that those teams beat each other up. Yes, and the Rockies can take care of business. You can take care of business against bad teams. Everybody else is is fighting, flailing against each other um, to try to save themselves, and that's that's what you got to hope for. Um, by well, the way, you got to take care of business. Oh, one sorry, of my, uh, my favorite things um, recently on the old tweet machine is uh, the Onion. The other day, tweeted a story with uh, not a Photoshop picture, which was even the better thing of it. But it was quote headline was quote man must think it enough to wear Blackhawks jersey at Cubs game, and it's like obviously just a picture from a Cubs game from last year, and it's just a dude in the center of it wearing his Blackhawks jersey, and it's all these people <laughs> like, what is this guy? What is this guy doing? The quote from onlooker Daryl Culliver, age thirty two, is quote I guess this fucking guy assumes he's covered because the Blackhawks also play in Chicago, which is just <laughs> the greatest thing ever, and I love it so much. Um, pretty much, but pretty much Chicago. <laughs> So, I mean, that could really happen. We could see that team really miss out on the playoffs entirely. And even if they don't, there is still the potential that they, the Brewers and the Cardinals, will take each other down so many pegs that only one of those teams squeaks into the playoffs because you have to give a division title a playoff berth. And uh, and the Rockies feel pretty good about things. Yeah, but they got to take care of business. And right now we've seen there's some – Areas of concern, I should say, for the Colorado Rockies. And we're going to see a lot of old friends in town this weekend. Jordan Miles starting on podcast. Saturday. Old friends or areas of concern. A Colorado of concern. Rockies podcast. Jordan Miles <laughs> starting Saturday for the Padres. Jolie Chassin starting on Sunday. Um, <sighs> but 
we saw what John Gray has done the last few starts, especially the one he had at Chase Field where he looked absolutely dominant, struck out 10. And by the way, John Gray's only two 10 strikeout games this year have come at Chase Field. Maybe get him one more, uh, maybe a couple days after the regular season ends. I don't know. Could be nice. Um, but besides him, Herman Marquez has looked a little shaky his last few starts. He may be wearing down after a full season, pretty much a full season of the big leagues. Chad Bettis does not look good after his first couple of starts. And that's, you know, it's hard to critique someone like Chad Bettis, who's had such an incredible run right now with, you know, coming back from cancer and being healthy. And that's the most important thing for Chad Bettis right now. But his on the field play culminating yesterday in a third of an inning start where he allowed six runs against the D-backs it's not going to help the Rockies in a playoff race. I mean, Tyler Chatwood is starting games for this team now. He somehow shut out the Dodgers for five innings last time out, but you don't really trust that. He's starting tonight at Coors Field, yeah, which is going to have for road. him. Yeah, yeah, and and Tyler Anderson, he is now apparently being put back into the rotation to start on Saturday in place of Kyle Freeland and Bud Black. He had some quotes saying it was merit based rather than anything else for Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland has been shaky a little bit. Of course, he got hit by a, a line drive last time out. They're saying that might be part of it too. But right now, Kyle Freeland is technically in the bullpen. Tyler Anderson, who looked good in relief of Freeland. Yeah, he did. Really good. Uh, four innings, one hit ball. Uh, he is now back in the rotation after struggling for a while, going on the DL for a while this year. So, yeah, there's a lot of question marks. There's John Gray and then a lot of guys right now who you're not really sure what you're going to get from on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, you know, when Chad Bettis came back, I think running a lot of adrenaline through those first couple of starts, he gave up 14 hits and in 14 innings, but only three runs, um, eight strikeouts with a walk. The ERA was at 1.93 after those first two starts. And then you see things kind of start to catch up with him um, a decent day against the Giants on September 4th but I think there was always going to be a boomerang period with Chad Bettis uh, a guy who hadn't pitched in over a year and was coming back from something way bigger than just oh he had an ankle injury that kept him off the mound whatever so I'm not super worried about Chad Bettis in the long term um, but I think right now He's not one of the guys. The playoffs started tomorrow. If you made it through game 163 and you head on a division series trip to Washington, Chad Bettis isn't one of your three guys um, to get a nod in in a starting capacity. I think, obviously, John Gray is your number one. Herman Marquez, I would say, is your number two. And Kyle Freeland, if he can show something toward the end of the season, I think is probably your number three. Um, but, you know, there are still options elsewhere. Um, do you give another look to Antonio Sensatella at some point? Uh, Sensatella has only made three starts since July, um, but over those starts, one time out, he went five innings, gave up two runs on five hits against the Indians. Uh, the next time out in a start against the Royals on the 23rd of August, two runs over five innings. He did give up nine hits in that game, and he got roughed up a little bit against the Tigers. Um, and, you know, they want to keep that workload down for him coming off a shoulder injury last year which we've talked about a bunch but you know it's it's kind of John Gray and uh, and a host of dudes behind him um Herman Marquez has been it's been an ugly September yes personally so, for, for General Sensatella I keep him in the bullpen I love him yeah, in that role yeah like in, he can go multiple innings and his numbers bear out that he seems to be pretty comfortable in that role as well he's striking out more than a batter per inning he's allowed just seven hits in 17 and two-thirds as a reliever this year. That's a yeah. 117 opponent average. ERA is two and a half runs uh, lower than it was as a starter. The strikeout rate is much, much higher. I like him in this role as a reliever, personally. Yeah, I agree. But, that, but again, that where is your third starter then? Right. And I think, honestly, 
these last couple of weeks could be a nice tryout for Tyler Anderson. Yeah. Tyler yeah. Anderson was, you know, he was the number two last year, slotted in behind John Gray, posting the ERA at 354, a FIP of not much worse at 364. You know, he was supposed to be the guy to slot in right behind John Gray this year, but injuries and some ineffectiveness had derailed his 2017. But if he comes back and pitches like he did in relief of Kyle Freeland, in that series against Arizona, if he comes out and shuts down the Padres on Saturday and then, you know, whatever for his next start, he could be the guy that slots in number three. Tyler Anderson, over 24 and two-thirds innings spanning four starts from May 6th to May 25th, he gave up seven earned runs. He struck out 10 with one walk in a start against the D-backs on the 6th. That was a terrific day. He got the win there. Eight against two walks against the Dodgers seven days later. Six days after that, seven against two walks against the Reds. Got a win there. Then he goes out against the Phillies on May 25th. He strikes out seven. Again, two walks. That stretch is what you need to see from him and was really putting it together. And then got roughed up a little bit against the Mariners. The injury revealed itself. He's on the DL for the next three weeks. Comes back, makes two starts, makes one start out of two appearances on the DL for the next two-plus months. Um, That is... A very encouraging sign, what we saw from him back on Monday, uh, to go out, go four innings, only give up one hit, four strikeouts, no walks. That You need to see that sustained over a couple of outings. And, yeah, I think that's a good way to, to deem it. This is, right now, you're auditioning for your role for a playoff team. John Gray has solidified his spot. We know that. Uh, everybody else, you, you kind of got to get yourself back to – where Bud Black can have faith in giving you the ball to start a game. Kyle Freeland has not pitched past the fourth inning since August 26th. You know, like... Doesn't seem great. Not great. Not great, Bob. Um, And again, this is something that we caution people on early in the year. Yes, this is a very talented group. Yes, they're going to be very fun to watch going forward. But you get to the end of a major league season... For a bunch of guys who have never pitched, you know, in Antonio Sensatella's case, have never pitched above Double A. Kyle Freeland a half a season in Double A or in Triple A. Never pitched in late September before. Right. Uh, this is you know. a long workload. I mean, this is a long, long slog to get to the end of a major league season, um, and you know it. That doesn't mean that you get to the end of September and into October and they don't rebound. I mean, look at what – this is a bad comparison because it's on the other side. But look at what Aaron Judge is doing. Aaron Judge was terrible for two months, and Aaron Judge has started to find it again. There are those periods of peaks and valleys, especially in the rookie season of a major league player. For pitchers, it's tougher to get back to the peak um, toward the end of a year because the fatigue affects you differently. But that doesn't mean that it's not possible. Um, And thankfully, if you're the Rockies, you have a horse that you can ride in John Gray – it doesn't leave you feeling real great going forward toward the end of the year, um, how things stack up behind him. But right now, this is what you wanted. This is all you wanted is to be in a spot where you could play to make it into the playoffs. If you don't make it past the NLDS in 2017, nobody expected you to be in the NLDS in 2017 anyway. Yes. So I think you're pretty happy with that. And basically the three freshest arms that the Rockies have for starters are John Gray, Chad Bettis, and Tyler Anderson. Yeah, which is amazing. Gray was on the DL for a while. Anderson was on the DL. Bettis was coming back from surgery. So those are the three. Those are supposed to be your one, two, three in your rotation this year to begin the season. And those are your three freshest starting pitchers here in middle of September while the team's in a playoff race. How's how's the irony there? And that would, if you would have said that, 
Which we did, basically, that at least that Chad Bettis and John Gray were going to be two of your freshest arms. Check the tape. We would have been thrilled with that in June and July because you think to yourself, like, all right, they're playing for a playoff spot. They've got their most talented guy and their most veteran guy as two of the most rested arms. That feels great. But right now, of those three guys, of Anderson, Bettis, and Gray, only Gray looks like a guy deserving of a spot in a postseason rotation. Um, and maybe Tyler Anderson will get there. Maybe Chad Bettis will recapture at least some of the ability to be effective while still being hit, like in those first couple of starts. Um, or maybe he'll figure it out again. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that needs to be answered. The, the biggest lesson of it all is that even despite the question marks, they went on the road to Los Angeles and Arizona, and they won six straight to start that road trip. Yeah. So we got to feel pretty good about that. I mean, yeah, I feel pretty good. Okay, we need to finally have this actual conversation. Uh oh. One. So when a man loves a woman, <laughs> when when two people hug each other in a special way, um, there is a uh, a Colorado Rockies player who, in the year 2017, the year of our Lord 2017, we have been waiting for, and his name is Carlos Eduardo Gonzalez, and it looks like. No longer making jokes. Cargo is heating up. He's kind of heating up. <laughs> Cargo is like actually heating up at this point. Cargo in the month of September has played in 12 games. He is slashing 368, 500, 868. To put that in perspective, Cargo's slugging percentage this month alone is 116 points better than his OPS in any other month this year. That's wild. 868 is a slugging percentage. His previous best OPS was last month, and it was 752. So over the last couple of months, Cargo in August hit 279, 333, 419. Not bad numbers, not great, not Cargo-like numbers, but not bad numbers. But he hit two homers. He drove in 15. He matched his season high for homers in a month, and it was a season high in RBIs. Through less than half of that total in September, he's got four homers, 11 RBIs. He's already out-walked his August total, and the OPS is at 1368. And, I mean, it seems kind of crazy because you sort of think to yourself, like, eh, could something like this really be the issue of what actually was throwing things off with Carlos Gonzalez? But it appears that there is very much a chance that Cargo's issue was tied to the way he holds his bat, which is something that he discussed recently. Um and has corrected now uh cargo with the way he grips the bat when he was a rookie um former rockies manager don baylor was then the rockies hitting coach don baylor rest in peace passed away this year and uh but gave cargo a piece of advice where he was watching cargo hit as a rookie and said why do you hold the bat like that and cargo said i don't know that's how i've always held the bat And Don Baylor said, no, you're doing it wrong. Let me show you something different. (laughs) Don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. So, and it's kind of a difficult thing to to visualize, but Cargo basically was holding it. The way you would grip a baseball bat as a kid, you just kind of grip it between the palms, you grip it and rip it. But when you hold the bat that way, there's a lot less mobility with the bat head as you take it through the zone. So if you hold it in between the fingers... The bat head travels through the strike zone differently. When you're swinging at pitches, you can barrel stuff up more because you're not as rigid just swinging a club through the zone as if you're holding it in your palms, if you're gripping it like you would with a sledgehammer. Um, And so Cargo apparently was watching Miguel Cabrera hit in that series against the Tigers at home. 
and a light bulb went off in his head where he realized, oh, man, I've been doing this differently all year and thought back to that conversation with Don Baylor, changed his grip, and is tearing the cover off the ball now. And that is – you could not have needed something more than what Cargo is giving you right now. Since the start of August, on August 1st, Cargo went into that day batting 228, 301, 339 on the year. He's now batting 251, 327, 401. It is so hard to bounce your batting average alone, just your batting average, 23 points over a two-month stretch of Major League Baseball from August to the middle of September. Um, but, you know, the OPS has jumped 100-plus points at this stage. The slugging percentage is what really makes you excited because not only has he belted a bunch of homers, four dongs so far this month, but he's also doubled, I think, seven times already in September. The The pop is back with him, and for so long, the gag was, oh, Cargo's eating up, he's getting it figured out. Now he may actually be doing that. Well, and even since the All-Star break, he is slashing 298, 372, 500 for an 872 OPS. That's almost exactly what he hit last year. 298, 350, 505, and 855 OPS. Man. Almost exactly. And that's, you know, Cargo is not an old player. He's not past his prime. Cargo's 31. 31. So that was what was so baffling about this was you didn't see a guy who necessarily, and yeah, players don't get better after they're 30, but they also don't fall off a cliff like this. Except for Adrian Beltre. Right. Um, And they, they just... For whatever reason, it seemed with Cargo like, man, I guess maybe we just we just saw the window close. And I don't know why. It's Well, I do know why. It's because we've seen Cargo go through stretches where he struggles, and he always breaks out of it, and he always breaks out of it in a major way. But we didn't see that this year until September. And so you kind of just thought like, well, at some point, the, the streakiness was going to catch up to him, and it was just going to turn into consistently poor play. Not anymore. I mean, now this is what we were all expecting to see in May or in June. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm fine with taking it in September. If it's, you know, our good buddy Jesse Spector tweeted the other day, dude's going to pack an entire season of production into September for a playoff contending team. If that's okay. the case, okay. I'm <laughs> good with that. It. Yeah. So that's no, it's, fun to watch. It's funny that it's something as simple as changing your grip, you know. I remember Again, like baseball is uh, so weird. Didn't like Hank Aaron when he first started his career. Didn't he use a cross grip because he didn't know the right way to hold? Like he held his left yeah, hand over his right hand familiar. when he first started batting. I think I remember hearing something about that before. Like he got to a affiliated ball and they were like, "Uh, the hell are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, okay, got it." But it's funny that so many little things like that in during the course of a baseball season can change for you. And just little things, even if it's just like a placebo effect, you change a little something even if it really has no bearing whatsoever on how you're playing or how you're seeing the ball or whatsoever, and you, but you think it does and it helps, then it worked. And baseball by the way, is the one game that can really do that for right, you constantly. Right. Uh, by the way, you are correct. When uh, Hank Aaron was a, a very young player, he was assigned. If you can't tell, by the way, I'm in New York City. Sorry. I thought you were saying, by the way, uh, if you can't tell, they're coming for me. If you can't tell, if you can't tell I'm on the run from the law. Um <laughs> When Hank Aaron was signed to the Braves organization, he went to the Eau Claire Bears, 
um, which was Class C back then. That hasn't existed for quite some time. Um, but here is a story about him that says, quote, more importantly, the hitting coach of the Bears convinced him to change his cross-handed grip to an orthodox grip. The switch elevated his game, and he enjoyed a sensational season, batting three thirty-six with nine homers, 61 RBIs, and 89 runs scored in only 87 games, culminating in him being unanimously selected as the league rookie of the year. But, yeah, that's – with baseball – it's such a weird game in that you're doing the same thing. You're repeating the same thing over and over for 162 games over the course of 175 days, whatever it is on the major league calendar. And at times you're going to kind of forget how to do that. You don't see that in football. You don't see like, Oh man, the Patriots are really struggling. So Tom Brady decided he was going to change up the way he throws the ball. Like that doesn't happen in other sports. So, you know, I guess basketball, you could make a bit of a, a similar claim and that sometimes guys will adjust a shot or they'll change things up at the, at the free throw line or whatever. But in baseball, everything is so mechanical that little tiny tweaks sometimes make the biggest difference in the world. And sometimes it's not even that the tweak itself makes you better or makes you that much more productive, but it completely frees your mindset of why am I sucking so badly? If you're doing something different then you think, okay, I'm not going to suck like this. I'll be, I'll be good like this. And if that's the case, I don't. I think the the mechanical adjustment is a big thing with cargo. But I also think when you unleash Carlos Gonzalez as a player who is confident, he is as scary as anybody in the game of baseball over the last decade. Yes, he is. And man, so when he, he had those two home runs in Arizona, that looked like oh vintage cargo. That was vintage cargo. It was, it was the, the bat drop, drop the stare down. The yeah. Ugh. Well, and I think too. What you also are seeing is talking about the mobility of the bat head through the zone and how much more responsive a swing is if you're swinging with the bat gripped the way that now cargo currently is versus swinging with the bat just, you know, rifened off in your paws. If you're just strangling the bat, um, the the power that you can generate from that, because how many times this year have we seen cargo it seemed like just crush a ball and it dies at the warning track or it one hops off the wall or whatever. And we would even see from time to time, we would see cargo just hammer a ball, do the bat drop and then cruise into second base with a double or fly out. And it just, that's what felt so weird is it was like, nobody goes from what cargo did over the last couple of seasons. Cargo hit 40 homers two years ago. He hit 25 last year and drove in a hundred runs. Like that just doesn't disappear immediately. Right. So that's what seems so bizarre about Car- about Cargo's fall and well, it, I think that yeah. change that that is something that comes into play if the if the bat head is traveling differently you're going to get a little bit more give on that swing and be able to get a little bit more power behind it. Oh, I thought it screamed that he had some kind of nagging injury. Remember early in the year he got yeah. hit in the hand. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe he might have like maybe fractured something it went undiagnosed or something along those lines. He was just kind of hurting him a little bit zapping his power those like hammock bone injuries can do that to a lot of players so i i mean i thought that could have been it but apparently not but my goodness he has looked good this september yeah and that has been so much fun so much let's fun. do a little um national league mvp talk since there is a i'm down there was a good series that we just saw with the d-backs and the rockies where Three potential MVP candidates were playing in that with uh, Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, and Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, right now, who's your NL MVP? <sighs> I got those three guys as candidates. You got Giancarlo Stanton chasing 60 homers. You got... Uh, when you said Chasen, for some reason, I thought you were going to say Chasen Shreve. Chasen like, Shreve. what? 
Jason, Jason Shreve. MVP. Jason Shreve, really a big contributor this year. Really big contributor to the, to the Yankees. Is he even uh, in the big leagues? He's still with the Yankees. Is he, yeah. Is he still with the Yankees? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's made forty appearances this year. I. I mean, I've yeah, paid the, so little attention to that team. There was going to be a lot of uh, a lot of Nationals up for it until Bryce Harper yeah. got hurt, and then yeah. they're just kind of like coasting. Yeah, um, which is kind of interesting. Like when Bryce Harper got hurt, people just forgot about Anthony Rendon. Which is yeah, been well, I mean, he has kind of tailed off a little bit. Yeah, too. he's, he's still it, having a very right. very good season. Um, but and, and the Dodgers again, they are just kind of coasting in with a lot of decent, really to really good players, and yeah. no one really standing out as an MVP. Corey Seager for a while was there, but then he got hurt. Cody Bellinger, same. So I think it's going to come down to four guys. I think it's going to be Giancarlo Stanton, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnauto, and Charlie Blackman. Who do you yeah, got? I would I would completely agree with that. Um, I think that it will end up as a two horse race between Nolan and Paul Goldschmidt. It would not surprise me if Giancarlo Stanton still wins it because if he gets to 60 homers, there are still enough old-school guys in baseball that will go, well, you have to vote for him based on that. Um, Why? He finishes 13 shy of the single-season home run record. And not only that, but his team fell apart, and the team the the award is called Most Valuable Player, not Most Outstanding Player. So you have to at least factor in. Mike Trout won it last year. Right, true. Um, but that was like a historic season and a culmination of historic seasons for him. And I think the body of work contributes to that sometimes too. Giancarlo Stanton, for as fun as Giancarlo Stanton is to watch play the game of baseball, um, until this year, he'd been a good player. He hadn't been a great player yet. This is a well, great season. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's always been hurt. Last year, 119 games. The year before, 74 games. 145 the year before that in 2014. He was an all-star. He finished second in the MVP voting. But that was really the only season season that we've seen from him where it was like yeah this dude is a dude really by the way Giancarlo Stanton debuted in 2010 which yeah. seems Stanton still feels so new he debuted in 2010 he already has 262 major league home runs and he's yeah. 27 years old I, I um mean, if he hadn't been hurt it'd be a different story every year he's be over 300 the one year he hasn't been hurt basically he's had one year of 150 games I think yeah um, and you know, I think he'll, he'll be in the conversation, uh, because people love power and it's a magical number if you get to 60, et cetera, et cetera. But for my money right now, and again, I think Nolan has the body of work thing going for him too. And as much as it's not supposed to contribute, I think it does contribute. And I will even, I will even quote a gentleman that I heard last night on the show MLB whip around. What? Fox Sports 1. One Frank the Big Hurt Thomas. And Frank Thomas said that Nolan was his MVP, and he said because of the last few years, because he's been able to do this over the last few seasons. And that's not necessarily supposed to factor into the way you vote on MVP, but it does. Guys are going to do that. But I also think that Paul Goldschmidt is the other guy in this conversation for that same reason. He's been really underappreciated in his career. Um because of where he plays, because the D-backs haven't really been a contending team, yada, yada. But when you take into account the the defensive work of Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt is a fine defensive first baseman, but being a fine defensive first baseman and being a fine defensive third baseman are two totally different things. Yeah. You don't see Paul Goldschmidt on highlight reels around the planet because of his work with the glove at first base. Like, oh, what a scoop by Paul Goldschmidt <laughs> over there. Like, it just doesn't factor in the same way. So I think Nolan probably, he would get the edge for me. 
Um, and again, we're spoiled because we get a chance to watch him every day. You know, maybe if I was watching Stanton play every day, I would feel differently about it. Um, Joey Votto is actually second in the National League in war among position players, but just has the least sexy game as it pertains to <laughs> the way voters yeah. will vote on things. Joey Votto is having a hell of a year. He is um, one of his best. One of his best ever. But, uh, you know, and that's a guy who's finished in the top seven in MVP voting in each of the last two seasons and three out of the last four. So he'll be there again, I'm sure, um, at least in the conversation in the top five. But I, I would give it to Nolan right now. I think Chuck has a very good, very strong claim to it. Um, but I think on this team, if people are going to vote for a Rocky, because I don't think there's anybody out there who's going to vote one, two, Chuck and Nolan. If people are going to vote for Rocky, they're going to vote for Nolan because of what he does so loudly defensively and because of the way he comes through in big moments. People love that with the walk-off homer against the Giants on Father's Day, yada, yada, yada. Sure. Nolan would uh, be my guy. Your guy. Listen to this, though. And yes. I, I agree. With that. I think you're right. I think if, if it goes to a Rocky, Nolan will win it because he is more on a national level than Charlie Blackman is. Listen to this, though. Charlie Blackman right now, 129 runs scored. 32 doubles, 14 triples, 34 homers, 89 ribbies, hitting 332, OPS over 1,000. Better OPS than Nolan Arenado, uh, leading the National League in batting average. The last player with 130 runs, 30 doubles, 10 triples, 35 homers, 90 ribbies in a season, which Chuck is going to hit all of those marks, Stan Musial in 1948. Good God. The only guys who have ever reached those marks in a season, Lou Gehrig, Rogers Hornsby, Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, Jimmy Fox, Hank Greenberg, Babe Herman, Chuck Klein, Musial, and Al Simmons. Coors for all of them. Coors. Now, that is a – honestly, uh, that's going to be yeah. a valid case yeah, against it will be. Charlie Blackman It will be. Year. And I, you know, as much as I think we both yeah. hate admitting that, you don't look at those names and think, oh, yeah, Chuck fits in that group. <laughs> No. Charlie Blackman this year at Coors Field, slashing 388, 463, 784. He has 22 of his 34 homers there, 13 of his 14 triples. Uh, Coors helps. Now, on the road, Chuck is not a bad hitter whatsoever. 283, 339, 453. But that's about a 450-point difference in OPS. Yeah. That is a that is a big Coors difference. Now, Chuck takes advantage of his home ballpark. Yeah. Power to him. Right. Um. I think that's another reason why Nolan is going to get a lot more love. The splits are not as drastic and right. you know, the, the glove carries everywhere and Chuck has turned himself into an average to above average defender um, in center field, but it's not, it's not Nolan, you know, Nolan's ability to change a game defensively that carries over anywhere. And Nolan this year on the road, is a 289, 359, 543 hitter with a 902 OPS. At home, 326, 386, 29. There's about a thousand point difference in OPS. You know what? A lot of guys have that difference from yeah. home to road in the big league. 17 of Nolan's homers have come on the road versus 16 at home. He has been as good of a guy on the road this year as he has been at home. And so I think that will factor into it because people will look at that and say, okay, that's good enough for me to negate my Coors logic. You know, Joey Votto this year has bigger splits home versus road. Votto's OPSing 11-16 at home and 9-52 on the road. Well, all of those Reds are doing that, though. The- yeah, yeah, because <laughs> that ballpark, ballpark is, is the same like way. A, it's a band box. Like a joke this year, yeah. 
So and for, and for what it's worth, I mean, you look at the advanced metrics too. Like Chuck's got a lot more wins above replacement than Nolan. His way to run, runs created plus is higher. His WOBA is higher. I mean, people will look at that, you know, because that's how people start voting nowadays, and that's great. But you know, Nolan's ISO power is higher. It's it's going to be interesting to see how the voters look at Charlie Blackman this year because I I agree with you if. A Rocky wins it. There's no way Nolan doesn't. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, I think if this was a conversation where it was just Chuck against Paul Goldschmidt or Giancarlo Stanton or whatever, I think Chuck still has a very valid argument. But yeah, if if people are going to vote for a Rockies player this year, they're going to vote for Nolan. Yeah, you know, and I think the reputation plays into that too. I think the fact that Nolan's done this now for several years. People have gotten to know him. And we've actually talked about that in seasons past. Like, Nolan was not going to get love nationally if he didn't sustain this. But the fact that he puts himself in the top 10 highlights on SportsCenter and he's on MLB Network every day and all that kind of stuff, he's thrust himself in front of voters' eyeballs on their television screens for the last three, four years. So people have come to know him and appreciate a full body of work from him, which is – you know, when you play in a market like this, you have to do that. For Paul Goldschmidt, it's the same way. You know, Goldie has had a lot of really, really damn good years. But again, you don't necessarily pay attention to that on a bad team in a media market where things don't matter. Goldie's home and away splits are bigger than than Nolan's. 11-01 OPS at home, 9-02 on the road. Um, 19 of his homers are at home, 15 or on the road, you know, so Nolan cannot be hamstrung by the same arguments that will hold Chuck back. Well, and I think that Nolan is a guy that supersedes a lot of that blah, blah, you know, generic Coors talk. And Chuck's not going to be able to escape that this year, yeah. no matter how good his season is, which it's been an incredible season. No matter how good it is, he's not going to escape that this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, I agree. And uh, and for Goldschmidt, too, like, he's very unheralded as well. He does not, you know, he does not – Move the needle, I guess you should say. Like, you know, Dontrell Willis is one of his really good friends because Dontrell lives in Scottsdale. He hangs out with, with Goldie a lot. And he was saying, he told a story a couple times on, on Whip Around where he was saying, yeah, he was hanging out with Paul Goldschmidt. Their, their kids were, you know, hanging out whatever in a pumpkin patch. They were going to get pumpkins for Halloween or whatever. It was that time of year. And there were kids in Goldschmidt jerseys, like running around, and nobody recognized him at all. The place was full in Phoenix of people wearing Goldschmidt jerseys running around. He's walking straight through it, going about his business. No one comes up to him and says, hey, are you Paul Goldschmidt? He's anonymous. And he even said, uh, we had him on the on the show at the All-Star game. He and Nolan actually came on together for our preview show. And so he was on the stage with us, and we and Dontrell told that story. Or we told a story about Dontrell and him. And he said, man, that's the way I like it. I don't, I don't want people to come up and talk to me all the time. And whenever I hear Paul Goldschmidt talk, uh, you know how you used to do the voice for Hogan T. Dog, our, uh, our 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 groundskeeper hey, in Myrtle everybody. Beach. He had a old old yellow lab. We used to h- hang out on the uh, on so the, the on the Gator truck yeah. while our groundskeeper named Butter would go and do about his business all day. And he was just the the laziest, loungiest, cuddliest old yellow lab. And yeah, t- and so Tyler cute. used to to do his voice. So whenever I hear his voice, I, it sounds like Paul Goldschmidt in my head. <laughs> Hey everybody, Hogan T Dog. Um, <laughs> the the yeah. T stands for the. <laughs> Goldie's just like a he's just like a big galoot. You know what I mean? Like I like Goldie. I've always really liked oh, him. Yeah. I uh, I think he's a, a tremendously fun player to watch. He's the type of guy who 
Like it's, I sort of feel this way about Corey Seager too, where it's like, I know that as a sports fan of one franchise, I am supposed to hate you for being a good sports fan of a rival franchise, but I can't help but love watching everything that you do. Um, Pretty much. You know, Puig is that same way, uh, but Puig is just fun. Everybody loves Puig. And if you don't, you're lame. Um, so I, eh, yeah, I think you know, our consensus, if we had to cast ballots, I think our consensus would be, I would go Nolan one, Goldie two, probably Giancarlo Stanton three, because it's a, it's a historic year from a guy who is a historic type of talent. We haven't seen that come around. And then Chuck, I think really is hamstrung by the, the Coors versus road argument this year. Yeah. I could flip those bottom two, but I think Nolan one and Goldie two. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what else? What else do we need to talk about? I'm going to see the uh, the the 2011 Anthony today. I'm going to go see James Smythe. Uh, are you guys going to talk about cool stats? Probably. Probably. We'll probably do that. James and I are um, like cool stat buddies online. I know. I know. It's so great. I love when James gets – I had the Yankees game on here the other day, and they name-dropped James. I was very pumped with that um and uh you know it's the same thing when you get name dropped i'm very pumped about that um yeah. but yeah we'll probably just talk about we'll talk about nerdy things all cool. that type of stuff you know it's it's yeah. the, the rock rocktober reunion tonight yeah that's pretty cool just got sticking to the padres i hope they have a ceremonial plate touching slash not plate touching yeah yeah that'd be good um he won't be there but it'd be good anyway <laughs> it's so funny he won't, Black, he won't the be, there to be there too not touch you know? yeah that's kind of ironic like hey bud, <laughs> hey bud remember this night remember this remember one of the worst <laughs> days of your life probably which i believe in his introductory press conference he said that matt holiday never touched the plate like i'm pretty sure yeah, he <laughs> pretty sure he came out with that right out of the gate um but no that'll be fun and you know the the most important thing is it's meaningful baseball in September. If you're going to a Rockies game this weekend or you're going when they get back from San Francisco and San Diego, th- these are going to be fun games to watch. These are going to be big, important games to watch. And if at this time in 2016 you would have told us that, you would have told us that there were going to be 13 games over 500 and playing for a playoff berth, you'd be pretty damn excited. I mean, it's the I, biggest well, thing out there. You want Denver Post right now has this uh, vote for your 25th anniversary team. What's, you want to do that really, really quick? Sure. And call it a call it a day. All right, got to go through uh, the 19 ads that pop up when you click on DenverPost.com. So give me one second, because it was just here. God, this uh, this website is just absolutely awful. There we go. All right, best catcher in Rockies history: Ionetta, Yorvit, Girardi. Oh my God! How that is the most emblematic thing ever that those are the three candidates: <laughs> Danny oh. Erdogan, Henry Blanco, J.D. Klosser. <laughs> um, oh my God! I guess Ionetta. I guess Girardi was good. Girardi was a short time. I mean, they were Your, all short yeah. timers. Yorvit has Yorvi no was forty percent right now. Best first wow. baseman in Rockies history: <laughs> Ryan Sheely, Andres Galarraga, Mark Reynolds, Joe Koshansky. <laughs> Mark Reynolds has played a season <laughs> plus. Mark Reynolds is there because it's Colorado. by default. <laughs> Good God Almighty! Um, I think I'll probably uh, go with Todd Helton in that Todd one. Todd Helton. Hey, Mark Reynolds got three votes. <laughs> wow! Out of how many? Uh, three hundred fifty-seven. <laughs> okay, that still seems high. Still best seems high for him to have gotten three. Best second baseman: Jamie Carroll, DJ LeMahieu, Eric Young. God, 
gotta be DJ, DJ, right? Yeah. Be DJ. Yeah. DJ by, by a lot. Jamie Carroll got three votes out of 359. <laughs> wow. All just for the sacrifice fly in 2007. Yeah. Best third baseman, Garrett Atkins, Vinny Castilla, Nolan Arenado. I feel like Kevin that one's Nolan. fairly easy. Yeah. Uh, Nolan got a lot. Garrett Atkins got one vote. Out of nice. 363. <laughs> it was probably Garrett Atkins. Garrett probably Atkins probably Garrett. voted. Probably there. Garrett Atkins. Uh, it was probably somebody who likes pitcher wins. Uh, who's the best <laughs> shortstop in Rockies history? Tulo, Nafi, Perez, Walt Weiss. Uh, it's got to be Tulo. Got it honestly surprises me that Story is not on that list. Yeah, Nafi Perez got seven votes. Yeah, Nafi Perez is on that list, but yeah. Story's not on that list. Mark Reynolds is on the list at first base, but you put Nafi Perez. Well, by default, who else is going to be there? Right. It's, well, yeah, I guess there's only been they've three, really only had two. There's only been three period. opening day first basemen yeah. in Rockies history. It's been Reynolds, Helton, and Galraga. <laughs> Joe Koshansky and Ryan Sheely, they were the future. Who's the best left fielder? Uh, Matt Holiday, Preston Wilson, Dante Bichette. Matt Holiday. Yeah, gotta be. Dante was great. Dante would be the other one. Dante has it right now, fifty-one to forty-seven over Matt. Wow, interesting. Yeah, well, that's been the closest one so far. Best center fielder: Dexter, Ellis Burks, Charlie Blackman. Um, you know what? I think I would I would vote for Chuck in that regard. At this point, yeah. yeah. It would be Dex to me otherwise, but I think Chuck has overtaken Dex. Wow. Charlie's got 83% of the vote. Wow. Dexter only got eight, 18 votes for Dexter Fowler. I thought it would be a lot more than that, but it was probably huh. a – Dan O'Dowd's probably hacking in to make sure Dexter Fowler doesn't get enough votes. Yeah, probably. That's true. All right, best right fielder, Carlos Gonzalez, Brad Hopp, Larry Walker. I think Larry Walker's got to be. Yeah, you know, I know I know, I know. Cargo's, you know. And that's a bummer. If you players, had to but... vote position by position, if you were just voting for three outfielders, Cargo is the second best outfielder yeah. in franchise history, but he's not the best right fielder in franchise no, Larry, history. Larry Walker, 85%. That's yeah. a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, best right-handed starting pitcher in Rockies history, Aaron Cook, Pedro Astacio, Ubaldo Jimenez. It's got to be Baldo. Yeah, he was so good there for a while. Baldo's got so it, 51%. Good. Aaron Cook and Pedro Stasio splitting votes, 25 and 23. Best lefty starting pitcher, Jorge De La Rosa, Brian Bohannon, Jeff Francis. Oh, my God. I mean, DLR. It's got to be DLR. I mean, <laughs> 10 votes for Brian Bohannon. Brian Bohannon. <laughs> and also votes. sort of feel like this is a Denver Post poll, so it also sort of feels like they're just trolling all of yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, they could be Kyle Freeland at that point. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, DLR's got that one. Yeah. Best relief pitcher in Rockies history. Manny Corpus, Brian Fuentes, Greg Holland, Raphael Betancourt, Houston Greg Street. Holland. Greg Holland has pitched four months. Um, who were the last at Raphael Betancourt and Houston and Street? And Houston Street, yeah. Um, that, that's just kind of a tough one because <laughs> Yeah, because they were they were all guys who were really bad at times. They've all too. had would, their foibles. I like, would probably go with Brian Fuentes in that conversation. Yeah. Fuentes was really good for a couple good. of he was seasons. All, all-star a few years, and he's got it right now, 36%. Houston Street, 33%. Holland, 15 Betancourt, 12 Manny Corpus, 4 This is – Brian Fuentes was a four-time Major League All-Star. Yeah, he was. Three selections with the Rockies. T-Rex. 2005, 2006, and 2007. Like, he was a really effective pitcher for a while. Wild, right? Yeah, that's cra- – 115 right. saves. Best manager, final question. Bud Black, Clint Hurdle, Don Baylor, Jim Tracy. Um, they don't have Jim Leland on this list. They do not. (laughs) What is this? How how is that possible? Um, you know what? As short as, no, I'm going to go with Don Baylor. I'll go with Don Baylor. I think Jim Tracy would be my other pick because even though his tenure was very short, it was a successful run under him, but Don Baylor, if not for Don Baylor, I don't even know how the franchise lasts through some of the, the early turns that it took. 
Um, you know, there was a, a fan base that not that the franchise would have moved, but they would not have been a cultural force, a phenomenon the way they were selling out every game for the first eight years of franchise history because they played good baseball right out of the gate. They made yep. the playoffs the third year in franchise history, which was almost effectively the second year because the 94 season, half of it was wiped out anyway. Right. So you go from being a garbage expansion team in 93, in which they did not lose 100 games, which is almost a miracle for an expansion franchise. Road to 100. 94. Yeah, Road to 100 with a 97 Twitter accounts that have gone dormant since 2015. Um, 94, they played decent ball, as I recall. Uh, and then 95, they make the playoffs the third year in franchise history. Don Baylor had a lot to do with that. And I think just what he meant to the franchise, aside from just on the field work, I would go with Don Baylor in that conversation. Well, Clint Hurdle has it right now at 40%. Huh. Don Baylor at 39. Bud Black, 12. Jim Tracy at 8.5 percent huh Jim Tracy getting shafted here in my opinion yeah yeah I think people probably just don't even remember all I'm saying is that that team when Clint Hurdle finally got fired they went 72 and 40 yep under Jim Tracy because yep. they were so psyched to get really rid of Clint Hurdle ball in 2010 they were the last so psyched to get rid of Clint Hurdle just yep. FYI yep Yep. Ask any um, of those players. They don't have a lot of nice things to say about Clint Hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. Pirates signed him to an extension, though. That'll be interesting. <laughs> From what I hear, yeah, a lot of those players don't like him either. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, no, I, I'm confident with that with that group. So we go yeah. Holiday and left, Chuck in center, Larry, and Larry right. Walker in right, Nolan, Tulo, Deej, Helton, um, a, a – Bag of baseballs behind the plate. Yeah, yeah, who cares? Um, Baldo and who's the lefty that we picked? Uh, DLR. It, yeah, yeah, DLR. Of yeah. course it was DLR. I was like, Jeff Francis? We didn't pick Jeff Francis, right? <laughs> Brian Bohannon. Um, Brian Bohannon is our guy. Uh, and then Brian Fuentes closing things out. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good, good with that. Decent team. Take you to the playoffs. I think Joe Bimel should have been in the conversation for a reliever, but that's neither here nor there. I think Rafael Betancourt got shafted a bit. Yeah, yeah. Betty would have been a good pick, too. That's true. That's fair. All right, that was a good um, one. All right, all right, uh, I like it. That was fun. So uh, ne- fun. next Thursday, we'll yeah. do this show from Arizona. Woo! In person. God, I've been traveling too much. I'm going to be in my own bed for four nights, and then I'm gone again. Um, but it'll be good because it's to see you. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited. And you all should be excited as well for an in-person podcast. It's going to be great. Ray. All right. Until then, hope the Rockies win. Hope the Rockies win. It's a good next week. I love you. Uh, Hopefully we're still in a good mood by this time (laughs) next week. Love you. Bye. Nope. 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 Not even. Don't even start. Don't even start. Don't even do it. What did I just say? Is this what we do? Is this what we do here?
That's going to be my snarky line to children someday. I feel like if I become a father, my oh, thing is going to oh, be, is this, is this what, what we, we do? do? Is this what we do in this house? That's going to be my thing. That sounds like such an annoying parent line. You are a mon, damn it. <laughs> this is not how we behave. Ah, it's going to be great. It'll be great. That's how those dumbass my, Masterson kids behave. My, <laughs> you want to act like an animal, go to the Masterson house. <laughs> you want to be an idiot, go hang out over there with Anthony and his kids. But not Nicole, because she's sweet and terrific. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. 